50 Plus a Tip is brought to you by some amazing sponsors. Studio X is a boutique adult production company that creates premium erotic photography, video, and content. They produce unique, custom, high-quality work that will generate you with more clients, fans, and subscribers. Studio X prides themselves in creating a safe, sexy, and fun luxury service experience unlike any other. Studio X wants their work to remain special, unique, and high-quality. Therefore, they only offer a very limited amount of shoots each month. They focus their energy on you and provide you with the most professional service and best experience possible. They prioritize those that work in the entertainment industry, performance, adult, and sex work community. Listeners of 50 Plus a Tip get $100 off their shoot with Studio X, as well as a Polaroid add-on valued at $150. Just mention 50 Plus a Tip. Model Express in Vancouver is the ultimate destination for sexy and affordable lingerie, dancewear, and exotic high heels. Visit modelexpress.ca for all of your sexy style essentials. For our listeners, use code 50PLUSATIP for 10% off all pleaser shoes online. That's 10% off for all pleasers online only at modelexpress.ca. You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded whores. Hi, lovelies. Welcome back to 50 Plus a Tip. I'm your host, Danica. And I'm Riley. And today we are joined by Ava Hart. Ava is a queer, non-binary stripper, burlesque performer, and dancer. After they explored the burlesque world, they quickly realized they were interested in working in the club and began stripping, along with dabbling in some other sex work. A lover of dance and performance, they believe in performer diversity and that every body is a burlesque body. Currently, they also teach neo-burlesque and floorwork skills at Passion Performance in Vancouver. Thank you so much for joining us, Ava. So before we get started into like the deep, dark questions, how did you first get into burlesque? Uh, So uh, my good friends that I worked with at the makeup store, (laughs) um, she came up to me one day and she was like, you know... I think you could really do this. Like you could really do this. Like I do this thing with this group of people and you're already a dancer. You have like that pinup you look. Why don't we just, just come over here a little bit. So um, basically she pitched me a duo and was like, hey, do you want to be weird zombies um, that strip? And I was like, yeah. And that's basically how I started doing burlesque. Like, I didn't take, like, there's a lot of, um, I guess, like, courses and, like, beginning burlesque and, like, things like that. I just, like, went full send. Like, was like, nope, on stage, great. Naked, cool. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you had me at zombies. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you said you did some dance before. What sort of dance did you do before burlesque? I grew up dancing. So I did like the whole competition dance thing. So like jazz, lyrical, contemporary, some musical theater, like all of that stuff, basically up until I was about 16. And even after that, like I still did it pretty recreationally until, until I would, I I decided to do burlesque around 27 (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. a fresh 22 year old yeah I'm 29 forever yeah 
I know. I always joke. It's like that scene in Twilight where it's like, how old have you, are you? He says 17. And she says, how long have you been 17? Been 29 for four years. Now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? The sort of um, rabbit hole of when you grew up dancing, somehow mm-hmm. you always end up being like, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, I knew it was going to be in my cards. I just didn't know in what capacity. And like, I don't know. I kind of probably found about found out about burlesque like way too young. Like I think I was probably like 11 or 12. And like, I don't know, like a lot of the musical numbers and things like that you might perform in musical theater or musical theater for like dance competitions is like literally from Gypsy, which is about Gypsy Rose Lee, the burlesque performer. So it's like, you know, I watched that at a birthday party around 11 or 12 years old, you know? And uh, from there, I was like, hmm, got to get a gimmick, hey? What about that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then Dita Von like, found out about her, good old Google, and then, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, tell me all those, like, 12-year-old jazz jazz groups doing... um, she had it coming, Chicago. Yes, I, that oh is exactly God. what I just thought about. She had yeah. it coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Block tango. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. So, block <laughs> tangle, exactly. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Um, also, just like Gypsy Rose, do you think that's why her mom named her that? Did she name her after the burlesque performer? No. So her real name is Louise, but her, I, I guess she just named herself Gypsy. I, I don't really know where it came from. Um I maybe should brush up on that a little bit more, but yeah, no, uh, her real name's like Louise or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but you know who I'm talking about. Are like, you talking Gip- about Gypsy Road Blanchard? Yes. And, and that's, oh, is that why her mom named her that? <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about the actual dancer. Here I am like, ah, no, but hey, actually, cause that's, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. we're all out here performing, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's all over the <laughs> So in the intro, we shared that you're also a teacher. Yes. Can you explain what neo-burlesque is and then what floor work skills are for those who might not know? Yeah. So neo-burlesque. Um, so I guess that kind of like, I have to explain what burlesque is uh, in a way, uh, which is, I mean, I would argue that what stripping is today is still burlesque. Like if you go see a show and like people still have pretty cool costumes and still live that art of strip tease, but that's essentially what burlesque is. And then neo-burlesque itself, I would say, is that movement that started in like the 90s with people like Dita Von Teese, Catherine Delish, those sort of people that kind of like wanted to take their power back in a way. And it was almost like a, like a feminist reaction uh, to like not have men be in charge (laughs) um so neo burlesque and like what you would go to as like a burlesque show today is like from that which you know we i'd say a lot of history and a lot of like I guess knowledge is passed down and a lot of it reflects a lot of like the classic burlesque. Like you see a lot of classic burlesque costumes, like the big fans, things like that, like very showgirl. Um, so, and then neo burlesque is kind of like, for me anyway, is like burlesque, but you are doing almost like you're taking 
current dance, current stripping, current things that are happening. Um, and you can be comedic. Like there's different types of burlesque too, um, that all kind of fit under what I'd say is like the neo burlesque like umbrella. Um, so you have like gorlesque. So for, you know, horror fans, <laughs> um, you have, um, what else is there? Nerdlesque, like people, uh, who do cosplays and things like that. Like there's a lot of cosplay elements in burlesque. Um, but for me and like what I teach is like, I feel it's kind of like my dance training with stripping <laughs> with the art of striptease. So that's kind of like what I teach <laughs> specifically. And then, uh, floric skills would be literally anything you do on the floor, like <laughs> in burlesque stripping or even heels dance. Cause a lot of heels dance has taken things from stripping and burlesque and it's now part of like commercial heels dance. So yeah. Right. So like neo burlesque, neo meaning new, uh, yes. like almost like, um, like modern burlesque. Yes, exactly. Like a, it's, it's like the new version of that. Um, for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. I want to do horror burlesque. burlesque. I, I love anything horror related. I just had like this little memory that I went, I once went to a Nicolas Cage burlesque show. Oh and my god. <laughs> that man don't, turns down no roles. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Imagine him. He just comes out. <laughs> yeah, but it was so fun. Like they had amazing. the scene of the movie and then they did a little burlesque performance. And it was just yeah. like an ode to Nicolas Cage. It was so unhinged. I love it. Love to see it. Of course it was at the Rio. Like <laughs> naturally. Yeah. Where else did you go? Yeah. <laughs> so you did you start with burlesque and then move to stripping? How was that transition? Yeah. So I had been doing burlesque for, mm, I guess, about two years at the point that I was like, okay, like I'm ready to dive in. And it was almost like I had this itch for a really long time, you know, and I was like curious. And there's a lot of crossover in burlesque and a lot of performers and, and people who work in clubs also do burlesque because what other... Um, like industry is so flexible to work around gigs and gig working. And it just kind of made sense. And then I think I had, I don't know, I was working in the makeup industry, not working for the makeup store <laughs> anymore. And I was just like, I'm so over this. Like I want to, like, I still love talking to people. I love like having conversations, but I also like being naked and dancing. So Mm, somebody had like posted um at the first club that I worked at that they needed like topless uh blackjack like people so I was like yes and then I learned as soon as I started like that you could VIP and I was like mm, so I don't really want to take any more blackjack shifts I want to just do that <laughs> okay <laughs> so that was kind of just how it happened that's actually how I started as well I started as yeah. a topless poker dealer yeah, and then, <laughs> it's a slippery slope. <laughs> it is. It was, it was like, oh, I can't. Oh, this is fun. I like this. <laughs> yeah. So, dancing as a child is a 
gateway drug to being stripping. On the yes, it's and cheers. poker dealing gateway to stripping. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. All yeah. roads lead to stripping. Imagine a massive bowl, and at every point is just something else, and then it's just everything is a slippery slope. And at the bottom, stripping, stripping, <laughs> stripping. Being a whore. Um, can you break down? the differences between burlesque, stripping, and dance. Like, it seems like there's a lot of intersections. And I think that confuses a lot of people. I think in our city specifically, a lot of it kind of ebbs and flows within each other. And a lot of people kind of work within all of these worlds. Um, But stripping for me would be like what you would do in a club, whether it's like, you know, somebody who's a house dancer, somebody who's on circuit, or somebody who's like, VIP dancing. Um, and then burlesque would be that more, hmm, it, it's not sex work. Like what burlesque is now is not sex work, uh, even though its roots are in sex work. Um, so I'd say like, that's the biggest definer, even though you are taking off your clothes, you are being, um, perceived in a sexual or sensual way, the audience and Essentially, I don't know. I think this is like something from Lola Frost that I learned. It's like the intention of the audience is different, where in burlesque, you're putting your fantasy on someone else, whereas in stripping, we're kind of becoming someone's fantasy. So it's a little bit different. So I'd say that's kind of the big difference between those two. And then dance is like like the dance world, like commercial all of that stuff and um yeah I I don't know I I just I think we're really lucky in the city that um especially now um a lot of views on sex work and burlesque and stripping has changed so there's a lot of spaces that are becoming more available that are more friendly and you don't have to like hide like what you do <laughs> at night time. <laughs> <laughs> you touched on something there. You said the intention of the audience for burlesque, you're putting your fantasy on the audience. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit more what you mean by that? I guess like for me, like when I'm creating an act for burlesque versus like if I was to, I don't know, put together a stage show or like do amateur night or something like that, um, I would probably be a little bit more concerned with the money aspect of things. And like, uh, not that you can't be super creative and amazing and awesome because there's amazing dancers out there that do that. Um, But there's just, I don't know. With burlesque, you can almost do literally anything my favorite actor like my signature act I guess is like a lap dance to the skeletons in my closet for example so I literally have a fake little skeleton that sits on stage in a chair and I strip and give him a lap dance and I probably I mean like I probably could adapt it and like perform it in a strip club setting maybe I don't know maybe for Halloween but it's just it's it's almost like the theatricality is like up a little bit more and there's a little bit more and not again, like not that you can't have comedy and stripping or anything like that. Um, but it's just like, there's more, there's like more to it a little bit. If that makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. So almost like the performance in burlesque is for your for yourself, whereas in oh, yeah. the performance in stripping is like for the audience. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Definitely. Like I always try and include some comedy in my oh. <laughs> stripping. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> and like I don't know. It's it's really hard to like go up there and like not have fun mm-hmm. in any regard. I don't know. It's funny. We're naked. We're hot. <laughs> yeah the amount of times I'm like walking around the pole and I'm like this is a really weird job that I have <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting I would think hmm do what I think performing burlesque or stripping is more for the audience I don't know <laughs> yeah I feel like you're just not as confined with like what you want to do with burlesque yeah whereas like oh, I think you're Interesting. Mm -hmm. Because, like, at the end of the day, if you're stripping, you're trying to get, like, men to pay you because they think that you're, like, sexy. Whereas, like, I could see that, like, burlesque, you kind of toe that line a bit more of, like, it's not really about the money. It's more about, like, the performance and the story that you want to tell. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. And you think that's what means it's not sex work? And that's just a devil's advocate question. I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I'm just... No, I just, it's, I think there's places where you can't perform burlesque and have it be sex work. I just, there's been times where I've worked a gig or whatever, and I've talked to literally no one in the audience. I've gone and done what I need to do on stage, and then I've left. Whereas that is so not, like, there's so little labor that you take on from the audience and from people whereas in the club that's not really the case like you really want to be talking to people right so I don't know I think it's in my opinion and like my experience doing both it's like just so very different Mm. yeah I think that's like an easier way for me to Mm -hmm. differentiate is Mm -hmm. more not the sex appeal of it or like who you're giving your sexual whatever to or whose attention you're trying to get it's more so like the labor aspect of like and like the the paid labor aspect I think is what I would differentiate a little bit in my mind I think that's how I differentiate the two more so and that's definitely another way that you can go I think just yeah they're it's just like such a big conversation that happens a lot actually Mm -hmm. less so um yeah do you get paid? Like, I know that tips are encouraged when you go and watch a burlesque performance, but do you get paid to perform? Sometimes. Right. <laughs> um, uh, so, okay. So this is actually... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. Um, that's happening kind of... And it, again, it's like one of those conversations that ebbs and flows, and it's kind of been happening, I guess, online a lot. Like some of the more... I guess, prominent or uh, people who've been in the industry even longer um, and have done things like burlesque call of fame, like these really big name performers, maybe big name in the burlesque scene, but maybe if you're not in it, you might not know them Um, quite like Dita, like everyone knows Dita, right? Um, Yeah, it's, a lot of work for not a lot of money and different cities are going to have different like 
ideas for how much you should be paid at like a base. Um, but for me, I generally don't accept a gig for under a hundred dollars, which is not very much if you're thinking about, um, how much you're putting into costuming, training, creation of acts. Uh, so there's a huge disparity there um, as well, <laughs> like in terms of pay for a burlesque performer and for somebody who's working in the club, which is essentially why <laughs> I went the route that I did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, are tips usually pretty good at burlesque shows? Um, it depends. Uh, it depends on what city you're in and like if burlesque shows are common. Like I think from what I understand, like a lot of the shows that happen in the suburbs because they like don't get that as much, like it's way more common to see it like within the actual city. Um, the tips are bigger. Um, I've had good tip nights and then I've had $11 in tips. You know, like that's it. <laughs> so it's the same as stripping as we're wearing. Haven't we all? Yeah. But I would say that, like, I've never really gotten like above like $100 in tips. Like, it's mm. just not quite as, I don't know. She's doing it for the love of it. Yeah. That's what I mean. yeah. The love of dance. Yeah. We, we, we love it. We do it because we love it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the funny thing about talking to sex workers is that in, in strippers, a lot of them don't know the history behind mm. it. And you know what's funny is it stands out in my head and he's going to know I'm talking about him and he's going to DM me and be like, that was me. Because <laughs> um, he called me out for my Cavaliers shirt the other day that I wore on the podcast. Oh, yeah. And I called it LA Cavaliers and it was an LA Cavaliers. It was Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay. Sit it right on the shirt. I said, sit it right on the shirt. So he's watching and listening. I know. But I was spoke, speaking, I spoke to him. I was speaking to him once and he was like, I want to say he's an 80s baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, yes. Yeah, I'm going to say you're 80s baby, but I think you're actually 70s baby. <laughs> and, and, um, he was telling me, he remembered, like, a lot of the history of, like, stripping when it was, like, more prevalent in Vancouver because I think a lot of us are at least aware of this, that strip clubs have, are, like, a dying, mm-hmm. a dying place now. Um, and there were so many more back in, like, the 90s and that in Vancouver. Uh, and there is, he was telling me about all these documentaries he'd watched about it. He remembered when those times were, like, the peak stripping times. Um, but a lot of strippers that are dancing right now don't know it. So yeah. can you please educate us on the history of sex work slash stripping I in guess, Vancouver? Like, so, sorry, I'm trying to like get my brain together a little bit. <laughs> That's been us all um, day. Yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, my love of like stripping history in like, Vancouver-ish and beyond but uh, I was really lucky and I got to be a part of a burlesque group called Pinup Posse and we actually did like a whole history like module of like two two two-hour like zoom things and like presentations so um 
basically, I, I'm just going to kind of do an overview of how like burlesque got to stripping and then I'm going to talk a little bit about Vancouver specifically, give a little bit of knowledge that I know, but, um, basically, and I'm, this is very abridged off the top of my head, read it last week, um, <laughs> to my class kind of thing. Um, but you have like these like really big productions like Foley Berger and um, like Moulin Rouge, things like that, like Can Can and like this Victorian era of burlesque where it's not quite stripping yet, but it's like, I'm showing you my fucking panties. And also like, I'm maybe for hire later, right? So you have this kind of going on and then you have it like, Coming over to, well, I guess Foley Berger. Anyway, sorry, my brain is beep. Um, you know, coming over into the States and you have things like Minsky's Burlesque. You have, oh, what's the other big one? Another big one. But basically you had like circuits like we do now, just bigger and different. Um, and it was in the 20s when striptease itself got introduced into like burlesque and that's how like stripping and striptease like actually became a thing and then because of obscenity laws and things like that you have things like pasties you have the creation of g-strings things like that to get around being naked um and then basically like as um, time went on and as you know the sexual revolution happened and feminism and first wave feminism and all this kind of stuff uh you're seeing like not only strip clubs becoming more naked you're also seeing things like porn and you have to like the live entertainment has to like keep up with that um essentially i'm skipping over like golden age burlesque and all that good stuff but um I think it was like 1968 that Vancouver itself got its first poll and it was like penthouse, I believe that had the first poll in the city. So 1968 <laughs> in Vancouver, you get your first poll. Um, and basically it was so popular and people wanted business in their bars that they started putting stages and started putting polls. And that's how you ended up with, or how we ended up with that time, almost like a strip club on any, every corner um, but of course, like, I don't know, like Vancouver, like the no fun city thing, like as much as I try to fight it, like when you look back at the history and you look back at the cracking down of clubs, like a lot of it had to do with like actual sex work going on in clubs because the dancers that were dancing on stage weren't necessarily like engaging in sex work themselves but there would be women and people that would be in the clubs that like are <laughs> entertaining folks and then you know doing sex work out of clubs and like I don't know it just kind of evolved with the times and as pornography and as like things became more open, I guess. And then it would be in the nineties when lap dancing became a thing. And I have two different like 
sources of who created lap dancing. And one is somebody in Florida and one is somebody in Montreal. I'm inclined to give it to Montreal because, you know, whatever. Uh, But yeah, like, and then eventually it got introduced here. And yeah, that's kind of, I don't know, like, that's like a really, like, quick little overview off the top of my head. But uh, another thing that is kind of like important in the history as well, because they were cracking down so much on um, like the actual sex work that was happening in clubs, that one of the closures in the 70s directly led to sex work sex workers being pushed into the West End and eventually actually being pushed out of the West End and into like Hastings um, to provide like full service and like street-based sex work. So um, yeah, like not a lot of people know that, that a closure and a seizure and like whatever of a club (laughs) directly led to that to directly lead to that, which is, it's crazy. Yeah. It's uh, I I that's a, I didn't know a lot of that actually. Um, that was a great little overview. Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not at all surprised that uh, the city of Vancouver didn't give a shit about uh, sex workers and put them on the street. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, 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 surprising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's surprised? No. Uh, yeah. Google is also very. Um, undecided about who started lap dance a quick little who started lap dance google search which i mean let's you know take it with a grain of salt um it comes up one comes up here saying that times square melody theater in 1978 but then another one says that mitchell brothers o'farrell theater in san fran lays claim as the originator of the lap dance in the 70s and then my personal favorite one says here and it's wikipedia but that's fine (laughs) <laughs> the, the tried and true academic source. <laughs> yes, but we like this one. Because in 1973, it says an upmarket Vancouver bar called mm-hmm. Gary Taylor's Show Lounge employed showgirls and strippers as waitresses who gave a free dance with every drink. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, more Vancouver than I even know. Like, I know. And I also don't want to say it out loud because I feel like the way Vancouver clubs are, they might be like, oh, actually, we're going to start implementing that. Now you guys have to do free dances for us for our drinks. Oh my so gosh. let's not put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, there's just so much rich history in sex work and stripping that like people don't know. And it was really that like pinup posse like project, if you will, that kind of was like, oh, oh. And then I just started like, I don't know, accumulating knowledge and creating like deciding to put a lot of history into like what I was teaching because it's important. It's important to know why we're here now, right? So I also, and this is probably not the takeaway that I should have gotten from like <laughs> your lovely history, but like the way I see it is that like I'm assuming that most clubs and stuff were made by men and they saw other clubs uh, making money off, you know, women's bodies and they thought, "Mm, I want a little bit of that. (laughs) And then women started making money off women's bodies and they were like, no, we don't like this anymore. (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much, right? (laughs) I'm actually a very positive person. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not what happened with like when like world war happened that's how women eventually got into like the workforce because yeah. the men went to war and the women were like well we gotta pick start, yeah. get and do it and the guys came back like no give it back 
all of the propaganda in like the 50s was like all about the nuclear family and like oh, oh. look Bridge you can have if you come back home. <laughs> Put on your skirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <little> dresses, truly. <laughs> I love being a woman. Mm. <laughs> I actually do though, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a real it's like it's a real <laughs> it's a real double-edged sword. <laughs> I mean, I like playing a woman. Yeah. Playing with my gender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a real double-edged sword. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Uh, so take it, taking it into a little bit more of a serious topic, um, we've spoken about this on the podcast. Both Danica and I have suffered with like a bunch of like body struggles, eating disorders, you name it, we've had it. Mm. Um, you know, working in an environment where we're constantly, you know, naked and being judged for our body can be like, pretty difficult. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with body diversia, uh, diversity and also fat phobia in the industry? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll just tell my story mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, so the first club that I worked at, I, I really enjoyed, but, um, you know, as time went on, I kind of started feeling the undercurrents of, just that like the fat phobia and like certain dancers suddenly weren't there who were maybe a little bit thicker and you know I'm not personally like I don't like I I'm a straight sized person like if I was to describe myself like I look like a renaissance painting (laughs) you know like I'm not super fit but you know like I got a body is cool. Um, and as time went on and I noticed that slowly and slowly less third answers are coming in. And I was like, kind of the last woman (laughs) standing almost like literally the Saturday before what I'm about to tell you happened, they had to like go find me because I was the only dancer that had a big butt. (laughs) for a table you know um so it was like the Monday after I got a text from my boss and it just said the owners think you're out of shape sorry and I was like what like you can do that you can do that I mean like obviously like I know like I'm not completely naive to like the industry I just you know, it's, it's, I guess it's an ideal that like I, and a value that I have and like having been in, in the burlesque community for a while at that point, like body diversity and acceptance of bodies that are not the, the so-called like beauty standard. i I'm here for it. And like being a queer person as well and being attracted to people that aren't just men <laughs> and being attracted to women and femmes who maybe don't also look like um the beauty standard I you know maybe like I said maybe I'm a little nice at that point that I would not get you know fired <laughs> for that um but I guess like they I don't know I I got angry <laughs> right after it and I basically like I walked over to the 
club that I work at now and was like, hi, hire me, <laughs> basically. And then, um, you know, it was hard. Like, I'm the kind of person that, like, internalizes that kind of thing. Like, when things happen to me, like, really traumatic stuff. And for me, that was traumatic because, like, I don't know, I take a lot of pride in in, in the things that I do. And, like, I was the kind of person that would always show up like maybe I'm not the skinniest, maybe I'm not the highest earner, but maybe I can be there on time. Maybe you're never going to have to tell me to go put on a fake lash or change my outfit. Like I'm going to come, I'm going to be, you know, put together and on time. Um, so it, I don't, I'm, it, I was okay for a little bit. And then it just started like eating me alive. Like it really screwed up my mentality at work, to be honest. Like it really, it, not to say that like I've never struggled with like weight or body issues or even like disordered eating before that, it made it like a hundred times worse. And it wasn't even until about like November, December of like this year that I realized that like I had have dysmorphia <laughs> and it was literally me looking through photos from last year to like put like together a post for some sort of work thing or like give some photos for like a work thing and I'm like looking through and I was like oh no we have a problem <laughs> you know like oh I was not as like like I did not look the way in these photos that I thought I looked in my head and I was like oh oh no <laughs> yeah. yeah first of all I want to say like I'm really sorry that happened it's it's such a shame that like even today when people are realizing that like you know diversity is something that customers crave in the club um mm -hmm. that it's, you know, still up to the ideals of, like, certain people who is and who isn't allowed to, like, work in a safe space. Um, well, and so, yeah, I just, that's horrible and I'm sorry that happened. And I'm glad that you, it sounds like you found a club that, like, has accepted you and that you're enjoying. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not all been bad. Like, I've definitely met some friends and, like, like it's 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 a, like a good club it's just like also like a different vibe than that other place so it kind of took me a while to like get in there and like figure it out while I'm also like going to work and like tearing myself apart mm -hmm. it's like not only are you working in a new vibe so you're probably going to get like a different or more rejection or a different kind of rejection so it's almost like I took it out on myself and it was like well maybe I need to go lose some weight or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. But that's not really the case. It's just, it was more my mentality and more like what was happening internally was kind of coming out externally at work. Like I wasn't in a good mood. <laughs> and I didn't, you know, after a few rejections of the night, it's like, well, nobody likes me. Then that's just not true. <laughs> like I needed to rebuild some resilience a little bit, um, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Do you maybe have any advice for people who um, have 
you know, been in the same situation with you and trying to find a footing at like a club or have been dealing with like body dysmorphia to like kind of move past that. And as you said, build up a little bit more resilience. Mm, Therapy. (laughs) Get a really good therapist. Number one. Um, If you have access to that, um, like it's, it's really hard to sit alone with those feelings and like, just tell someone like if you, if you don't have, um, a therapist, uh, like a chosen person, whether it's your best friend or your mom or whatever, whoever you have in your life, if you can tell those things to someone, um, because it's a lot to hold in and it's a lot to put on yourself, especially when it's just like not true. Like it's your mind's creating these things. Um, and then I'd say, take the time off. (laughs) I did not, I did not, I probably should have took, taken like a week or two off instead of being like, nope. But that's also like the nature of our work, right? Like for a lot of people, if they don't go into work, they don't have a paycheck or they don't have like a huge amount of savings. And, you know, they have families and and rent and bills and like things like that so it's like if you can take the time off and give yourself a week or two of of like mental health love do that (laughs) um because it does come back to bite you in the butt if you try to shove it down (laughs) for sure I'm a huge advocate for therapy so (laughs) I'm right with you there okay so besides maybe the lack of um body acceptance you found when you first came to the strip world which again like like Riley said I'm sorry that that was your experience um and unfortunately it's experience of a lot of women that come to the industry um is there anything else that surprised you about the strip world when you enter first entered into it coming from burlesque no (laughs) I like was pretty Like, I, like, made sure that I knew. Like, I'm the kind of person, I don't know if you can tell, but I like to research things, right? Um, I love a good research. In a different world, I would have been an academic. But alas, I am not. (laughs) No, anyways, I don't know. Who knows? Um, But, like, I definitely spent some time kind of understanding it and making sure that I knew what I was getting myself into. But even in that, like you never really know until you do it. (laughs) Like you can't just research your way to hustling your first bag, you know, like you can't, you just got to go do it. Um, I'd say I wasn't prepared for how much my body hurt, (laughs) I guess. Like that was something that was like surprising. Like, and, um, not even the physical stuff. It's like how much emotional weight and emotional strength it can take to do this job. I'd say that was not something that surprised me, but I was like, mm, yeah, maybe surprise is the right word. Cause yeah. Um, like I knew it was going to take a lot, but it took more. Than I thought mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I had a similar experience. I went into it thinking it's going to be like 75% physical and 25% mental. And that was like completely reversed. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So you also identify as queer and non-binary. 
How does that play into your career as a stripper? I think, you know, when I was reckoning with where I kind of sit with my gender, uh, it was a little bit harder because going into work and being called girl for, you know, five hours and then you go home and you're like, I'm not a girl. I'm not a girl. Um, it, it's that like mental and like emotional resilience and like making sure you're, you have like maybe a persona that you can like kind of feed into. I think that for me, um, at least now, like I definitely, because it's not, it's a, it's a fantasy. You're creating a fantasy for someone. So it doesn't really matter if they see me as a woman or as a girl or as a non-binary person. Um, at least in the club, it matters that they like me and they want to buy my lap dances, you know, like, um, or tip me on stage if I happen to go up or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I, it, it took a little bit. There, there was a couple of months where I was like, I don't know how I feel on the inside and you keep calling me a girl and you made a transphobic comment and now I want to die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh. but like, yeah, it's, it, I think it's just another thing where like you need to know yourself and you need to know that you're mentally resilient enough and that it doesn't really matter what Joe thinks at the club. What matters is your community at home and your family and like all that stuff. So I have a little bit of separation of it when I'm in the strip club, but like, obviously like my online persona says it like right there. So if anyone to were to ever follow me or anything like that, it's not that I hide it. It's just that like, it doesn't really, I don't really go up to people and go, actually, I'm not a girl. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just kind of just like, oh, okay, whatever. Cool, let's go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like it's, that's why we have like a persona anyway. It's because of like, at the end of the day, you have to peel it off to like totally move past all the shitty brands in the club. Totally. Yeah. Um, something you kind of um, touched on there about taking time off when things happen. Unfortunately, um, I think a lot of sex workers are familiar with this, and it surprises non-sex workers maybe that um, we don't have many like workers' rights. We don't get paid leave. We don't get like vacation time. <laughs> like, unfortunately, um, is is there something that you can tell us a little bit more about, like the lack of rights the dancers have and how like precarious our job is? Yes. Um, it's the, the fact that there's really no rights. Like there's no one that we can go to for like example of what, what happened to me, like getting fired from my first club. Like there's no one to be like, Hey, it's not right that you said that I can't work there because you think that I'm out of shape or whatever. Whereas like in a lot of other industries, and even if you look at like what's going on in dance, Right now, like New York passed a bylaw or a law that um, you can't discriminate against uh, weight or height uh, in casting. So 
it just, it feels like the only thing that I can kind of do with what I went through is like, talk about it and start a conversation. Like there's not, we don't, unless, you know, we unionize like other cities, which have its benefits and have its disadvantages. It's just like, what is there? What, what can you do? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really don't know much about like the process of like unionizing and like what benefits and what disadvantages. Yeah. I mean, same. Like I don't really know. I just know that it did not benefit a lot of dancers in California from what I can understand. So, and, and this isn't me saying anything like against unionization in general. I just think it's, it's hard when the majority of your income comes from essentially tips or Mm -hmm. selling a service that you have to like sell yourself and you're basically paying someone to be safe to do that. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it can be made better, but at least if we're talking about it, at least maybe that can help. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I kind of am of the mind, same as we said, you know, with men profiting off women and then women be like, I want to profit off me. And they're like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same way as like as independent contractors if we're like, hey, like I kind of want like employee rights. I feel like the employers are going to be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like pivot, totally. pivot. <laughs> yeah. Although, I, I mean, I do know that California has had some downsides with like now being called employees. Yeah, that's what um, yeah they were saying as well. It's 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 hard, and like, how do you make something better when you don't really have even a blueprint to go off of? You know, um, I just think you know, for me, like in terms of like body um, things and like ethnicity, things like that, that doesn't affect your job. And I think anyone who's mentally resilient enough deserves the space and a safe space to, to do their sex work if that's what they choose. But I don't know, again, maybe I'm just being idealistic and living in my own little, like pretty little world where everyone is like happy, (laughs) but I don't know. It would be cool. (laughs) Well, I want to live there with you. (laughs) (laughs) So as with any job, having career goals is super helpful. Do you have any advice on how to set up realistic career goals and perhaps to pivot like what life throws at you? If you get a curveball like chronic illness, unexpected firings, anything like that in the workplace. Because we ain't taking that paid leave we don't have. (laughs) Um, If you have other skills and other passions to lean on, I would do that. And that's kind of, I don't know, like essentially like what I did. I was kind of like, I don't want to say like, annoyed but like annoyed that there are places (laughs) where people are teaching the things that we do and have never worked 
in that environment. And I was really, really lucky enough to um, have a friend who basically was like, you should come work at our dance studio. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. I don't, I don't know. And I basically like reached out and was like, hey, would you hire me to teach burlesque? Like, I'm really cool. And like, you know, um, the person who runs Pinup Posse, which is Portia, you know, Portia. Um, yeah, hire me. And she did. <laughs> so, uh, and like, for me, like in the original, like, I don't know, career plan for myself, I was going to basically stripped till my feet fell off. Um, no, but, um, <laughs> you know, um, stripped for a decent amount of years and maybe, um, get more financially like stable. And maybe like one day I wanted to teach and like, maybe even own a studio, like a dance studio. And, um, uh, yeah, I was just fortunate enough to be able to pivot at a time where I really needed to do something else. And I really needed to take some of the pressure off of going into the club, especially like, you know, like when things are mentally hard and like, you can't get out of bed, like you're not gonna, like it's detrimental to, and, and I put myself there when I shouldn't have been there. Um, you know, so I'm really thankful to have like passion and performance and like Desiree, as like a boss uh, and like their foundation is like acknowledging that sex work is like really important to the world of dance and a lot of the dance that is popular right now so yeah like they're they're great <laughs> so I'm really thankful um that I had that but yeah if if you're going through some shit try and take the pressure off and try and do something else or go to school or whatever it is, whatever your life and whatever your passions are, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we strive to say that all the time on the podcast too. It's, it's so important to have like a nest egg and to have savings. Our job is so volatile. We saw that firsthand in COVID. We're now in a recession. Like it is so, so important to have a little bit of cushion. And then also, as you said, like another avenue of, of something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Also just for our mental health, like we've talked about before too, like there's been times where I'm reading sex work books and I'm doing the podcast and I'm dancing and doing sex work. And it's like, just like, I need more avenues that like mm -hmm. of, of my identity other than sex work. And I think that's totally. like important, at least for my mental health. I notice that I need those, those multiple avenues for sure. for sure. We'd love to shout out our sponsor, Levian Lash for bringing our lashes to life. At Levian Lash, you'll be in great hands with Liz. With over six years of experience, Liz can create any set of lashes you desire from natural classics to the most dramatic mega volumes you could ever imagine. If extensions aren't your thing, you can opt for that clean girl aesthetic with lash lifts and brow laminations too. Find some time to schedule some much-needed self-care with Levy and Lash. You'll receive $25 off your first visit for any service of your choice with code 50 plus a tip. Intimo is a local sex shop that celebrates our industry in a spicy and empowering way. 
Proudly representing many sex workers in queer-owned businesses, community, and education is at the heart of what they do. With over 300 hot sex toys available online, their collection is curated intentionally to help you find what you're looking for so that you can have an affirming experience in the bedroom. They even make their own plant-based pleasure products, so make sure you try out our favorite one, Smooth Operator, their hyaluronic acid water-based lube. Use promo code 50 plus a tip for 10% off your online orders. Whether you're shopping from the comfort of your own home or visiting their adorable storefront in the heart of Victoria, they've got a little something special for you. Did we mention they're also sex worker owned and operated? Check them out online at intimopleasureboutique.com and remember to use your promo code 50 plus a tip. That's five zero plus a tip. Okay, we opened it up to our listeners to send in some anonymous <laughs> questions. So I pulled five of those. The first one is, what is your favorite burlesque routine slash theme? Um, like one that I've seen or one that I perform? Ooh, you can answer either. I'm sure this person will take whatever answer you have. <laughs> so my favorite performer is a person by the name of uh, Media Noche. And she is based out in New York. And she won Queen of Burlesque. I think I mentioned Burlesque Hall of Fame a little bit earlier. But essentially, it's like a big competition slash festival thing that happens yearly and is basically like a tribute to Burlesque. And there's also a museum that you can go to. It's It's really really fucking cool <laughs> like just straight up but uh, I think it was 2017 she won um and it's actually not the routine that she won that's my favorite it's her step down routine and it's a mashup of a like jazz song I guess or something uh, like old bluesy rocky song and um Reptile by Nine Inch Nails. And like, I don't know, there's something about this person and the way that she just moves and like captures your like attention. Oh, it's like, I'll watch that to the end of my days. Like, I love it. Um, But for me, uh, I'm weird and different. And I really like, um, to one I like to be a little bit nostalgic and I like definitely grew up with the classic emo era of music so uh, like another one of my favorite numbers to perform is a My Chemical Romance song uh, Famous Last Words and uh, I kind of made that dance or that performance or number or whatever as like a like a love letter to my queerness and like just like the lyrics in the song, like really reflect how I feel about my queerness and, and being non-binary and like, just if you're not going to accept that and like, then you're not part of my life, you know? Like, um, so I guess that's, those are the, my two answers. One, media noche for watching performance. And for me, I'm a little, I'm a little emo kid on the inside. (laughs) I relate to that. (laughs) Uh, Next listener question here. I'm a stripper and I've wanted to start burlesque, 
to improve my fluidity and stage presence, but I had a really negative experience with one company being anti-sex work and feel a bit jaded. Is this common? What are some green or red flags I should look out for when finding a new studio? Uh, yeah, unfortunately it is common. Um, and it depends on what city they're in, because if they're here, I can tell you to come to um, or, you know, Vancouver burlesque company or audition for pinup posse when that happens again, because the reason why I was even, you know, entertained that sex work could be a thing is because everyone was so accepting of it and was like, burlesque comes from stripping. Like stripping and sex work are like sisters. Like they're like the same roots, the same history. And you can't have one without the other. So for people to be out here teaching or whatever and saying that like burlesque is classy stripping. That's like my least favorite thing to hear because I've also seen some really like rude burlesque performances and some really naked burlesque performances too. There's venues in the city where you can be fully nude, just saying uh, that aren't strip clubs. Um, you know, so it's, I'd say most places will say right up front like in their website or in what they teach that or on their Instagram page or wherever that, you know, sex work is valid and we do this because of strippers who stripped before us, right? So um, I think that would be my green flag and my red flag would be like, can you, number one, is anyone open about stripping? Like, I don't think if this was a different time, like, I don't think I would come out and just be like, I'm also a stripper, but because I had so many great role models and teachers and instructors that are very like, this is valid. This is a profession and we must respect that. That when it was like kind of my turn, I was like, yeah, I'm a fucking stripper. Yeah. Cool. You know? <laughs> like, And, and that's very much kind of, I don't know. I really try to drive that home that it's, it's, it's a similar art form and yeah, you got to respect it. I don't know. I hope that helps that listener. <laughs> yeah. I, it's unfortunate that like the, to hear that that's common in the burlesque world too. And unfortunately it's like also common in like pole studios and like the pole realm. And it's just like, yeah. But not face, why don't you? Yeah, steal it, steal it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the next listener question here is a little spicy. <laughs> Do you think burlesque dancers are capitalizing off strippers slash sex workers slash sex work culture while sidestepping the stigmas that sex workers are subjected to? No because a lot of burlesque performers can't be open. And I know a lot of people, especially if you work with, like if you're a teacher, there's no way you can have a public profile. Uh, but like I said, kind of earlier, like the labor is different. So in that regard, yeah, maybe in terms of labor, like you don't have as much weight on your shoulders, but you're still a naked 
person being judged by the world. So even though perception might be a little bit skewed, and I think a lot of that perception has to do with the people who try to separate burlesque from stripping and, you know, like people who are like pussycat dolls invented burlesque and you're like, Oh my God, (laughs) you know, it's people like that, that I think, um, kind of make it more difficult or make the line more clear but I don't necessarily like I think if you are doing the work it's kind of like pool uh like where if you're doing the work and you're acknowledging and you're very open and acknowledging like where you're getting this knowledge from and who's teaching you and like the history then I don't see a problem my issue is 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 I'm gonna call out perhaps some commercial heels and not all commercial heels because like a lot of like the dancers that I dance with again we're very sex work positive and like are sometimes working in strip clubs too so it's like I think the disacknowledgement from the dance community that sex work and stripping has so much influence on heels that's my issue so (laughs) Or where I switch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next listener question here. We have monthly meetings with our strip club manager. This January, during the meeting, he made a comment about, in quotes, making sure we keep off winter weight. I feel like it was directed at me as I've gained a bit of weight over the last month or so. Should I say something to them or just leave it? I would weigh your risks. Because, I don't know, it's easy for me to sit here and talk about what I went through because I don't work there anymore. So, uh, and they're not really a place that made me involved with the circuit. So it's not like at any point in my stripping career, I will deal with those people. Um, But I think especially if it's like your only job or if it's like the only strip club in your city or anything like that, if there was anything negative to happen, like I probably wouldn't say anything. And I don't even know how I would go about that conversation. Even if you were to have it, I'd almost kind of put it in my back pocket and like watch out, you know, like I'd be like, I'm watching you. (laughs) And I don't know. I'm not the kind of person that can be like bullied necessarily. Like as much as I talk about the dysmorphia and how it kind of like messed up my brain a little bit. um, If somebody were to tell me to keep off my winter weight, I would be like, I'm going to go eat a wheel of cheese now. (laughs) I don't know. Our, I don't know. I I don't know. That's kind of, that's my thoughts on that. I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the last listener question here. How do you cope with toxic change room culture slash talk? I've struggled with an eating disorder for years, and sometimes hearing the girls talk about their bodies negatively triggers me and my own body issues. I know they aren't meaning to trigger anyone, and they aren't even saying these things to me. I just overhear them because I'm in the change room at the same time. How can I cope with this in a healthy way? 
Mm-hmm. Two things that come up the top of my head is, of course, therapy. Have a have a therapist, have somebody you can tell about these things. And I don't know, like obviously I hear things all the time and um have even had comments like it, you know, if I take time off and I come back, people are like, wow, you look good, you look thin. And it's like, yikes. Um knowing that those comments are more about them and the way that they see themselves than it is a reflection on you is probably something that I would think about when those comments happen. And I don't know, like, and maybe it's just cause like, I'm 29, <laughs> uh, a little bit older that I would probably be like, Hey, you know what? Do you think we could like not talk about that right now? Like, I don't know. I just, if it's something that's triggering you, either take yourself out of the situation or see if you can ask if they should not talk about it in front of you. I don't know. I mean, that could backfire, but I don't know. I work with pretty chill people. Like the people at my club are pretty like whatever. So if I was like, I'm not feeling this talk right now, uh, they'd probably be like, cool. You know, but also like I have a lot of friends there that know what I went through. So they probably wouldn't talk about that around me necessarily. Or it would be like a safe kind of conversation, not like a triggering one. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I I might like those suggestions. One therapy so you can talk to someone about it. Um remind yourself that that's more of a reflection of how they're feeling. Uh, maybe like think of it with some kind of empathy. If you've already experienced that kind of yourself, you can like empathize with them mentally in your own head that that it sucks that they feel that way because you know how hard it is to feel that way. And then also like if necessary, you can take yourself out of the situation. Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't recommend if you're not familiar with the girls in the club to come up to them and say, don't talk on the change room because you might (laughs) get some enemies. (laughs) And I, again, I live in my own little world where I'm <laughs> and if it, you throw hands at me you don't want to no I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't know I don't I'm just not much of a I don't know shit starter I'm very like like let's just not yeah <laughs> but my yeah. headphones yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> or even like if you're comfortable with someone being disclosing to them, you know, I'm I'm struggling with my own body right now and like I do find it really trickling and like I know like I'm sorry that you're feeling that way too, but like maybe we could try not talk. Like of course, if you really do feel like you're in a safe place where you can approach mm-hmm. that, like approaching it with like kindness and maybe like a little bit of like vulnerability would probably be the yeah. best way I would mm-hmm. think to approach that. Agreed. I would definitely be more responsive to someone talking to me like that. Absolutely. Um, Okay, before we let you go, we have three rapid-fire questions that we ask all of our guests. (laughs) The first one, what is one thing on your sexual bucket list that you haven't done yet but you want to try? You know, I knew this question was coming, and I've been thinking about it all day. (laughs) This is a good gauge on, like, which of our injuries, like, listen religiously, because the ones that know, know. If you know, you know. (laughs) I, like... Wanted to come into today being a little prepared, but I'm so much more unprepared than I want to be <laughs> for this question. Um, okay. 
I don't know where I heard of this or it's like, it must've been like a podcast. Maybe it was yours. Maybe it was like a different one. Been. <laughs> Somebody was talking about a certain kind of massage where you essentially are like covered. This is like in like lube and like you're like mess like you massage. I don't know. That sounds really good. I love a massage before like sex. So like for me, it's like like ultimately like relaxing and then just being like, <laughs> like that sounds great. Like that sounds like a fun sexual act. <laughs> Do you so. want them to massage you with their body, like whole body? I think Is that's like what you're supposed to do. But like yeah. what I understand and like generally it seems to be like something like a, a massage thing that a sex worker usually does to you. Mm-hmm. But like in this context, I would be like doing that with like a partner. Yeah. <laughs> you are uh, the slip and slide. Yeah, we are the slip and slide. <laughs> <laughs> Comes fun to me. I don't know. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Okay. What is one thing you've done sexually that you probably wouldn't do again? I don't want to have sex outside. Yeah. I'm over it. (laughs) (laughs) It's cold out there. Bugs. (laughs) Wind. (laughs) (laughs) And the last one here. If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? Be kind to each other. Be nicer. Um, It's not a good time out there right now. So just be kind and give people the benefit of the doubt and live the life that you want to live. Love it. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Ava, where can people find you? Uh, yes. So you can find me on Instagram at ava.heart.xo. Uh, if you can find me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Internet Overlords. Um, and Passion and Performance in Vancouver or Passion and Performance YBR on uh, Instagram. You can find info about my classes there. Uh, I'm performing. Uh, I actually don't know when this episode goes out, but I'm performing on the 9th of February um, in one of our in-studio shows. And then I will be at our show on March 2nd, which is 70s themed. It's super fun. And um, yeah, whenever I decide to go into work which sometimes I post and sometimes I just show up. So yeah, that's it. (laughs) So this is coming out, I believe on the 21st of February. So they can get you on the March 2nd. Oh yeah. (laughs) Come see me on March 2nd on March 2nd. (laughs) That's awesome. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at 50 plus a tip pod or email us at 50 plus a tip at gmail.com slide the DMS or email us, email us with any questions, comments, stories, all the good stuff. We love getting it. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Yeah. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe <laughs> to 50 Plus Tip Podcasts wherever you listen to your podcasts, be it Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, blah, 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 all the places. <laughs> and I think I think that's it. I think that's a wrap. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Ava. Thank you for teaching us so much about the history and your experience in burlesque slash stripping. 
um, we learned a lot. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me and um, have a wonderful week and happy whoring. Goodbye.